0: Hey, doesn't this music make you feel like you're relaxing on some white sand beach with a lovely tropical drink in hand? Well, I thought it was a great way to introduce today's episode, featuring teacher, travel guru Jackie Sills Degrassi from a previous episode that we published almost a year ago when people were still dreaming of the day when travel would again be possible. I thought now that people are finally stepping out of their homes and starting to travel, that this episode replay may be especially helpful and deserves another listen. Jackie is famous for knowing how to travel almost cost-free, and she shares her tips and tricks with us in today's show. For more information about Jackie, her travel tips, and to see her phenomenal, and I mean PHENOMENAL, photography of all the amazing places that she has visited, See the show notes right here in your app. Enjoy. Joining us now is Jackie sills De la Gracie. Uh, Jackie is a former English teacher who traded in her dry erase markers and ruler for plane tickets and adventure. She is now the founder and senior editor of the popular travel website, theglobetrottingteacher.com. Here, she shares tips, tricks, and travel insights to help others learn how they, too, can travel the world without going broke. Jackie has a bachelor's in English language arts, a master's degree in reading, and she's also studied musical theater. She has taught English at the Lycee Frances du New York bilingual school and at the Stevens Cooperative in New York City. She has been a featured blogger on the Discover Flagstaff website and a speaker at the Women's Travel Fest in 2018. On Jackie's website, The Globe Trotting Teacher, you'll not only find travel inspiration, but also practical day-to-day itineraries, detailed guides, and travel tips to help you discover destinations, plan your trips, and show how travel rewards can help you explore the globe for less. Welcome to Transparency in Teaching, Jackie. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Well, it is a, it's a pleasure to have you here, and um, we hope that... Uh, you can give us some great information so that once we're allowed to travel the world again, we'll be able to get out there and save some money while we're doing it. Can you um, give us a little background about you and your your teaching, uh, what you're doing with teaching now, if anything, and uh, how you even got started in this whole uh, project?
1: Yeah, so I was a classroom teacher for 15 years. I taught elementary school and then English. Um, I was mostly in third, second and third grade, and then I went on to be an English teacher for a couple years. Um, And sort of through all this, I I always loved to travel, and I I just started a blog. I I think I actually just – I was like on a whim. I had no idea what I was even – saying what happened, you know, I can remember sort of just sitting on the couch of my husband being like, I think I'm going to start a blog this weekend. He was like, cool, you know, and I'm, um, <laughs> you know, and so that's sort of how it started. And I, I just started writing about my travels. I had traveled a lot, um, even before meeting him and we had traveled together. So I just started like writing down my travels also too. I, I use points and miles for my travels and a lot of family members were always asking me you know how do you do that what are you doing so i was like maybe i should just write this down so i can stop saying it over and over and um and so that's sort of how i was born but i was still teaching full time so you know it was a real labor of love i you know would teach all day and do all the things that you have to do as a classroom teacher and you know make my lesson plans at night and respond to emails and all of that but when i had like a couple hours at night i would Write or work on the blog for a few hours before going to bed and sort of what I did for a while and you know little by little it grew and um, You know eventually I I mean, I would say about two years in I was able to focus solely on the blog and transition out of the classroom as a full-time teacher although I still keep my toe in the door um, it's one of those things where, you know, you're sort of like, I don't know if I should ever really completely give it up, but, but, um, I've been lucky the last few years to be able to work on the blog as my sole business. And here and there I'll, I'll do a, like a leave replacement for teacher friends of mine, or I have old schools where I used to work where they'll call me to sub or work on a special project where they need some extra teacher hands for a few weeks. So I, I, I kind of do these uh, fill in and odd teaching jobs <laughs> from, from time to time.
0: It's, it's hard to give it up, right? You spend a lot of time, you spend a lot of effort getting those credentials to begin with. Plus, what do you feel about your um, using, do you ever use your travel experiences in your classrooms?
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting, you know, with younger kids, um, sometimes it's a little bit harder for them to sort of understand, you know, e- Just where we are, even in the world, you know, second graders can, you know, kind of just wrap their heads around their own immediate surroundings sometimes. But, um, but at the same time, you know, it does it does help um, give you a a more, uh, you know, more more perspective on some of the things you're teaching. You also. I mean, I know from traveling, I've visited even different schools or met other teachers from around the world. And just even talking to them, it gives you a different perspective on maybe something you're doing in the classroom that makes you think like, oh, let me try this. Or, um, or oh, I didn't even think of doing a geography study that way, you know, and sort of, um, you know, expand what you're, what you're thinking. and And I mean, it has helped in the sense of, you know, giving my students, um, sometimes some really funny stories, <laughs> you know, or, you know, just little things about, cause you know, kids, especially younger kids, they see you as, you know, this infallible, like, you know, thing. So when you tell them like, Oh my God, you know, you don't even, you know, I'm going to tell you about that time that I, you know, completely tripped in the airport and, you know, my suitcase went flying and they, they
0: hysterical, you know, <laughs> funny stories are always good oh, to throw yes. around in the classroom for sure. Yeah. Um, do you think that being, uh, that travel helps to like broaden your perspective too. Um, I, I don't know, maybe some of the things you've seen, I don't know if you've, have you ever visited schools in other countries at all?
1: A little bit. So I I actually was lucky when I worked at the Lycee Francais, I, um, they had a partnership with a school actually in Haiti. So I was able to travel, um, with them, um, me and I think it was maybe three or four other teachers, Uh, we went to this school and we stayed for about a week and they, and sometimes some of their teachers would come and, you know, visit our school. So we had this sister school relationship going on. And so that was, you know, really amazing because, you know, sometimes you get so wrapped up in your own day to day in the classroom, you know, and you're in your own little bubble and then you go to another school, especially in a place that is, you know, not as developed in terms of, you know, what they have for schools and school supplies. And, you know, I'm worried about like, oh goodness, you know, I don't have the right laminating paper for this thing, you know, something so silly, you know, and here these teachers are, you know, the first thing do we have to get all the kids in the door and make sure they wash their hands so that nobody spreads cholera, you know? And so like, you know, it kind of- it's familiar now. <laughs> I kind of really put some things in perspective like, oh, okay. So- you know, maybe those things that I'm sort of stressing over are really not a big deal. Yeah, that's
0: true. That is true. I mean, when you think about it, and you always think like, oh, first world problems, yeah. right? Until so you really get into those third world countries and you see what life is really like there. Yeah, so totally. So let's talk a little bit about um, how teachers should be traveling. What are some of the most important things, maybe teachers in general and people in, in you know, teachers specifically in, and people in general should consider when planning a trip? How do you go about that? You know, like, for example, uh, most of us can only travel on vacation days. So that means usually summers or Christmas vacations when it's super busy. Mm -hmm. Do you have any um, suggestions for that? Or are there months and things that are less costly? What What are some things that we should be considering when we're planning a trip?
1: So one of the things I would say is, you know, I hear this a lot from teachers that even reach out to me on my blog and I, don't let your teaching schedule limit what you're what you're able to do. So I guess maybe some people might not necessarily agree, but you know, I was somebody who I knew I had you know Thanksgiving break, Christmas break, spring break, those types of things, and then of course summer vacation. And I made no bones about the fact that travel was a priority in my life, and I wanted to travel, and I went to travel on those times, and it, and sometimes it meant. My family traveled with me for Thanksgiving or Christmas or sometimes it was just my husband and I taking a trip and I saw everybody after we got back, Um, you know, and I sort of just, again, made sure people understood that this was really important for me. And if I could do it at another time, I would, but I can't. So uh, this is what it is. Um, And and then so I traveled on every single break that I could get. And then in the summer, I traveled longer periods of time. And since my husband at the time had, you know, he has his, his job, I, I could get way more time off than him. <laughs> so um, I would travel solo and uh, I, he would maybe join me for a little, t- a little while, but then I would go off on my own or have my own sort of thing planned for me for the summer, because again, I wanted to travel. And so I guess that's my first bit of advice would be if you really want to travel and you're stuck to that teacher's schedule, don't let that stop you. There are, there are ways around it just from a mental standpoint, you know, at like everyone can get really hung up on, oh, I can't leave my family at Christmas or I'm really nervous about traveling solo and I can get all of that. But if it's really something that's going to make you happy, then I say, go for it. Um, but that being said, know in terms of like what where should you start because obviously traveling at Christmas comes with challenges right or summer's a high season typically for travel so things can be higher priced you know and flexibility is really important like I can remember a time where we were trying to plan a vacation to go to Europe we wanted to go to Budapest Vienna and Prague and we were going to do it over the Christmas break because they have like beautiful Christmas markets in those cities and nothing I could do could could make it work. Flights were super expensive, the dates weren't lining up with when I needed to be back for school, and we did something else on that Christmas break that ended up working and we moved that trip to February. So I didn't get the Christmas markets, but we still got, you know, a week off in February where we went and had a beautiful time in three different European cities. And so I think like having that mindset of flexibility and seeing, you know, okay, this is not going to work this time, but what can i make work now and just really having that open mindedness you can often find you know deals to places in, you know that maybe you hadn't initially considered or like i said even move the entire trip to another time of year
0: do you have like suggestions for how to find like reliable travel websites i know i've heard of things like kayak and all of those kinds of things are those really like i've gone on kayak priceline um booking.com all of those and it seems to me like they all have the same prices is there is there a trick to that is there something that's better or how do you know if you're really getting the best deal
1: yeah so you know online travel web booking websites like the ones you just named um, you know the thing you have to remember about a lot of them is they certainly have their value and their their purpose but a lot of them are owned by the same parent companies so if you start thinking, like, I'm doing my homework, I am comparing across three or four sites, and the prices really aren't that much different, what you might not realize is that one parent company owns all three of those sites that you just searched on, and you think you're maybe getting a better deal or whatever, but they're sort of prioritizing the flight results that they want you to see, so you haven't really seen much diversity in the pricing. So, um so, a couple of things that I recommend in terms of like just if you don't have points and miles and you're just looking to keep travel reasonable in terms of cost, you know, um, I recommend looking at a site, um, sites like Skyscanner or Mamundo. Um, these are flight aggregators. And so, what that means is they are pulling in flight data from just, um, you know, as many airlines as you can possibly imagine, but they don't sell the flights. So, they don't have any invested interest in a particular itinerary or anything. So they're literally going to show you the cheapest availability, and then they're going to send you to whatever website to book. Um, Even Google flights, to be honest, is a good tool to use because again, they're going to show you, it's an aggregator. They're going to pull in the cheapest prices um, versus say like an Expedia Priceline. you know, again, it's not that they don't have their value. It's just, they have certain priorities and saving you money might not be that, high on their list for whatever
0: search you're doing. <laughs> well, I just mind blown. I mean, you just opened up my eyes because I had no idea that was the case at all. But now that makes total sense that you that you said that. So that is awesome to know. Um, maybe we'll put some of those websites yeah. at the, in the links at the bottom so people can um, look at the, look those up. Uh, you go to a lot of really unique locations. Like I saw that you had just gone like to Romania. And and the pictures you have there are gorgeous. It was beautiful, but how do you pick a place to go? Like you just, I don't know. How do you pick? Romania sounds like something that I would not think of off the bat. So when you do that, do you do re, how much research are you doing before you go on and pick a location? Yeah, I mean, I
1: definitely do my research. Sometimes though, I have to say it is just a whim. So I will say with Romania, I saw a couple pictures of like the Transylvanian countryside, and I was like. Uh, this is amazing. So let's book a flight. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's literally that that, you know, fast. I, I like to follow a hunch if I feel like, wow, this looks like in a really amazing place. I will. I, I'm, I like to explore. I, I like adventures. So, you know, I did the same thing with Patagonia. Um, and, and by, by the way, Romania and Patagonia were places I traveled solo to, and it was one of those things where you just see the pictures and you're like, this is too beautiful not to see with my own eyes. And I just booked the flight, but other times I research, you know, i like to put together in in-depth itineraries and, you know, sometimes, you know, have all of my stuff mapped out and sometimes just like to go off the beaten path. It kind of just depends on the destination.
0: How are you finding like food and lodging and in places like that, that you're not completely familiar with, like, how do you know, you're not going to end up at some like bed bug infested (laughs) hostel or something?
1: You know, hostels get a bad rap. (laughs) I have to say they do, Uh, you know, look, I'm I'm not saying there's not hostels out there that, you know, are, have, you know, not the best accommodations, but there are plenty of really good ones. Um, and I mean, now with COVID, obviously things may change with how we view accommodations, but, um, I, I do my research. I definitely, you know, read reviews online or, you know, really I look at other bloggers or people's Instagrams or whatever. I do my, I do my research. Pinterest is great for travel research. And, um, you know, I, I also though have a level of, uh, faith. I think I, I always tell this to people, like when I travel solo, when they're aren't you nervous or you know and i think the more you travel the more you sort of realize that the world is not what you're seeing on the news necessarily the world is actually a really amazing place and sure there are bad seeds everywhere um but i'm just as likely to encounter one you know in my daily life as i am anywhere else because most people are genuinely good and most people you know, just genuinely, you know, if you need help, they'll help you or whatever. So, you know, if I'm reading reviews or I'm looking at a, a hotel that's maybe just like this independent hotel and I'm sort of like, well, it doesn't have a whole lot of reviews, but it looks clean, it looks good, it's family run, I give it a try because, you know, it, it's it's likely it's likely what it's showing me, that it's fine, you know?
0: I I am so impressed by people who travel who travels solo, because it's one thing that I've always like, it's like in me, it's like, oh, I would love to do that. But then, um, hearing when you, when you talk about that, it just sounds so amazing. I know in some senses when you travel alone too, I think it opens you up more to meeting people in the culture. And I also think people in those countries tend to be more gracious towards you. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think that is, uh, that to me would be like a course in itself, like how to travel independently and be successful at it. Because I think you're right that what we see on TV and the news is really not what's going, going on in there. I remember when I was in college, I had an opportunity to study in Salzburg for a semester. Our university owns a house over there. And one of, this was back in 1980s. Um, so uh, we were had a trip to... East Germany, which is no longer in existence, but at that time it was, and we actually had um, a meeting scheduled with other college students from East Germany, and through our conversations, they were under the impression, because all they had ever seen was all the um, newsreels from the 60s riots on campuses. Mm -hmm and they thought that's what colleges were like over in the United States and we were under the impression that East Germans just wanted to bomb everybody right. and you know yes. and and you just come to the realization that it's it's like government's not the people oh
1: totally yeah you can't judge you can't judge people by their government it's uh, it's it's one of those it's like one of those golden rules you know because you know, I mean, people are just people everywhere, right? They want their kids to be happy and healthy. They want to be safe. They want to just feel happy and be with their friends and family. I mean, it doesn't matter what language you speak or what country you're born in. I mean, it's pretty much a universal thing
0: for a majority of people on the planet, you know? Absolutely. A hundred percent agree. hundred percent agree on that. You know, You know, one of the things that I absolutely love about traveling by myself when I go by myself is there is no Underlining like, oh am i am i am I making this chip acceptable for everybody else, which I think maybe it says women as teachers, I don't know, we always want to please everybody, and even on the subconscious, if you're like, yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. And yet it's like when you go with a bigger group, it always gets really complicated, oh, totally. so the less people <laughs> the less people it is, the simpler it is. You go by yourself, boom, it's super simple. Yeah. You do exactly what you want. When you want. Yeah, and you know
1: too, you you are you you become so reliant on yourself, right? So I mean that translates back in your regular world, you know. And I don't want to give the impression that like I wasn't afraid. I would be completely point point blank honest and say my first trip solo was actually to Patagonia, and um, it's in the southern part of South America. And you know I had to take a lot of these random South American buses to places to get in between like small towns because there's just no other way to do it. And and, you know, when I first arrived that first day, I can remember thinking like, okay, so I'm actually not going to leave my hotel room, um, <laughs> you know, but then you have to just remi- remind yourself that that is, you know, that's your mind playing tricks on you and that you're, you're far more capable. And that again, the world really is a good place. And, you know, you have to put trust. There's a balance the trust in yourself and trust in the people around you. And you have to find that balance. And once you do, it is so freeing and empowering to know that you can then go anywhere you want, whether it's that far away or a shorter little getaway, but that you could do it.
0: When I hear you talking about all these exotic places that you've been, and you've been a lot of places, you know, you've really had an opportunity to travel. I just, in my head, I, I just hear cha-ching, ching <laughs> you know, dollar signs dropping, my bank account just depleting. And, so I know that one of the w- the ways that you um, fund your travel is through points on credit cards. And I was looking at your um, website, and you have like recommendations of the best cards and things like that. And I noticed that a lot of the cards that you recommend have um, what they call fees associated with them, like the annual mm-hmm. fees. And most of the time, we're drawn to cards that are like zero percent, you know, that don't have annual fees. So a couple of questions I have for you because. I'm one of these people who like worries about racking up credit on my credit cards and managing that. I know there's a lot of people out there who probably feel like that. So a couple of things like how, how do you manage that and how do you choose like the cards to use, um, when there's maybe some fees attached. How do you justify that?
1: Yeah. Okay. So, um, so first thing I would say is that, you know, points and miles ha- has been life-changing for me. Like you said, ha- cha-ching, cha-ching, like who can afford that on a teacher's salary? Um, and that's part of the reason I was drawn to points and miles. Cause I, 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 I was like, there has to be a better way. And When my husband and I were getting married we were planning our honeymoon and I discovered he had all these points and miles and I thought to myself well they must be worth something (laughs) so (laughs) you know lo and behold it led me down this whole rabbit hole but I I wouldn't have been able to go to pretty much any of the places that I've traveled without points and miles because they've either factored in the whole for the whole trip or for part of the trip um so let me let me just say, though, that if you're somebody who is not a responsible spender, meaning you're going to get that credit card and just rack up all this debt and not be able to pay it off and put yourself in a hole. This is not the game for you. Um, you're better off um, having some kind of savings account or you know, piggy bank or whatever it is that works for you and kind of set aside some money for travel and then use that that fund to to fund wherever you want to go. Um, but that being said, if you're somebody who, you know, is really good at budgeting and really good at managing your spending and is not going to overspend, um, then this could be a really uh, powerful way to travel. Now, I will say it comes with the learning curve, though. So if you're going to get involved with this, it does require you to do a little bit of studying um, because, Earning the points and miles gets to be um, the easy part, and then redeeming them is definitely more challenging, but absolutely not impossible. Um, So, But what I will say about when you get started, so to address your question first about fees, um, this is a very commonly asked question um, for beginners to points and miles. The credit cards have, you know, different benefits. And again, during COVID, this is obviously, you know, we're talking normal times and we can take advantage of all of these things. But these credit cards come with different uh, benefits, whether that's earning additional points and miles for different spending or giving you lounge benefits or, um, you know, free checked bags, um, things like this that you would otherwise potentially be paying for. And uh, when you use those benefits correctly, um, in most cases, it can offset the annual fee. You know, a really simple example is actually hotel co-branded credit cards, right? So a lot of these hotel credit cards come with a free night and you get the free night every time you renew your card. So if you imagine, even if you have a credit card, a hotel credit card, where the annual fee is, say, $95 and that you have the the card for the first year, no fee, and then the fee kicks in. Well, would ask yourself, could you find a hotel room um, at that hotel chain for $95 somewhere? Probably not. So just by paying the fee, you've just gotten yourself a, f- a, free, <laughs> a free hotel right. night. But again, if you're booking it at a hotel that might have cost you $300, you just come out ahead and the card has completely justified the fee. Right. So you always want to be assessing how you can use the benefits on these cards and you want to be taking advantage of them, of them, because if you can't offset the fee by taking advantage of what the card offers, and it's not a card that is worth keeping in the long run. Now, you may want it initially for some of its initial perks, the sign-up bonus, things like that, but it may not be a card you keep long term. Um, that's going to depend on how well you're managing, taking advantage of those benefits.
0: So, you really do need to do your research then to make sure, read all the fine print and that kind of things to make sure that's something that's going to benefit you.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, some of these cards, they don't only have travel benefits. You know, I mean, there are premium travel cards, like, for example, the Chase Sapphire Reserve that has a really high annual fee. And when people see it, they really shy away. Um, but, know what they don't realize is first of all three hundred dollars of the fee is actually a travel credit so if you were going to spend three hundred dollars on any kind of travel in a given calendar or a given you know a given year um, that you would have the card um you know the fee already is knocked down by three hundred dollars right because if you were not going to have the card but buy a three hundred dollar flight it's essentially the same exact thing as you holding on to that card Um, But, but also, you know, they think of travel in a very narrow sense where the credit card, for example, counts travel as like like you paid, you know, $20 for an Uber or, um, uh, you needed to park your car in a parking lot somewhere, right? That actually those code as travel on your credit card and get reimbursed, um, against that travel credit. So it's not only like hotels and flights, it could be other things that, you know, that you're already using. Like for me, being in new york city buying a metro card for the subway actually triggers that travel credit even though i live there and be buying that metro card anyways so you really have to do your homework but you absolutely should not not get a card because of the fee you just want to be able to justify it by taking advantage of the benefits and I earn those points and miles by doing things that we all do, like buying groceries, paying my car insurance, buying my pet food, you know, all those things that earned me points and miles from my credit card um, and let it accrue, accrue. And, you know, I was able to make a redemption for a really amazing flight, you know, so if you're somebody who could be responsible, I definitely encourage you to give points and miles a look. Um, and, you know, the other thing would be is if you really are not, turned on by the idea of credit cards or that kind of thing, you know, that doesn't mean obviously travels out for you. There are plenty of ways to travel on a, on a budget. Um, but you know, the sites I mentioned earlier, I don't know if you have ever heard of, um, also these like flight alert, um, um, like email lists. Like for example, one is like Scott's cheap flights. Um, there's like Matt's flights. Yeah. So basically you sign up, there's a free version and there's a premium version, but essentially they send you flight alerts for cheap flights. And so instead of you having to search, search, search all the time, looking for the best flight... You know, you'll get emails in your inbox with places that maybe you didn't even consider before. You know, you might get an email one day in your inbox that just says like, you know, round trip from, you know, whatever city or cities in the U.S. over to Paris for like $297, you know, and suddenly you're you're like, oh, I'm going to Paris. Maybe you you weren't planning that when you woke up that morning, but now you are.
0: So let's talk about your website a little bit. What are going to, uh, why should people go and visit your website and give us some examples of what you've got there? And, uh, I know you have some courses and things like that on there. What are you offering for people who come and visit your website?
1: Yeah, so I have my regular content that you would find on a travel blog, you know, different itineraries of places I've been or articles and guides for different destinations. Um, I do have a lot of New York City content too, being that I'm in New York City. So that's definitely a popular thing on the blog too. Um, As we talked about, I have a lot of points and miles information as well. Um, So if you're looking to get started with points and miles, I do have... Um, a basics, a free basics course um, that you could sign up for and uh, it, it'll walk you through just sort of the first steps you should be taking. I also have a Facebook group that's connected to that called Travel Hacking Study Hall. So, you know, with between the, the Facebook group and the free course, you, if you're interested, you can get your feet wet and just sort of see what this world of points and miles is without too much uh, risk. If you're already doing points and miles, uh, I have, I have a, a paid course that right now is closed to enrollment, but will be reopening again in the fall. Um, and it's specifically a deep dive on how to redeem your points and miles for the best value. So this is not for beginners, but it's for people who already have a collection of points and miles and just are really struggling with how to... To put them to good use. Um, so uh, there is a wait list you could sign up for on the on the website, um, and then you could be notified when enrollment opens.
0: And I have the, I will be posting the links to those um, in our show notes so that you can uh, go ahead and sign up for Jackie's class and get all her, all her plethora of knowledge um, so that you too can be a, an amazing traveler. So Um, how can people get in touch with you? What are, how would you like people to look you up and find you? So
1: the blog obviously is the globetrottingteacher.com. Um, you could request to join my Facebook group, um, travel hacking study hall, as I mentioned. Um, but I'm also on social, like I'm on Instagram, I'm on Pinterest. I'm on, um, just a regular Facebook page. So the Teacher Facebook page, I'm very active on. So, um, you could totally uh, connect on social media that way. Um, and if you sign up for any of the courses or even just my email list,
0: um, you could always just reply to one of the emails I send and I'll get back to you. You're awesome, Jackie. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to day to hang out with us and share all your knowledge and your insight. And I do want to encourage you, if you haven't uh, checked out her pages yet, go. Even if it's just to look at her photography, it's <laughs> phenomenal. She's a phenomenal photographer. It, I, it looks like National Geographic like she, you know, like she went on Google and clicked uh, images and then copy paste stuff, but she didn't. They're all hers. So um, amazing, amazing job. Thank you, Jackie, again for joining us and uh, good luck to you and on all your travels. And I hope you're back me on too. a plane Thank soon. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Jackie for sharing her travel insights. Jen, Sharon, and I will be back next episode, delving into the controversy around CRT, a critical race theory, in case you were like me and didn't really know what that was. Anyways, we're going to tell you what it really is and how states are trying to limit how or even if it's incorporated into classrooms. But in the meantime, my Pina Colada and my frivolous harlequin romance novel are calling my name. Later. Hey, would you mind slaughtering a little of that Sunday lunch?